Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glickson with my tag team partner, Matt Story. It is National Signing Day Part 1, and there was a lot of news for ASU. But first, Matt, we're going to get into our final thoughts on the 2018 Sun Devil football season. The Devils yep. lost the Mitsubishi Motors Bowl, as we yeah. suspected. Uh, the Las yes. Vegas Bowl went to Fresno State 31-20. to And it was a lot of what we feared. The The Fresno State defense locked us down in the second half, and we couldn't yeah. really get anything going. And Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the biggest, you know, the biggest swing or the biggest portion of the game for us, and, you know, we don't have to dive deep into it because it is essentially an exhibition, but... You know, third quarter, I, th- I believe we forced – we had two – we had interceptions on back-to-back drives. I think we, we forced a fumble on the drive before that and did not – you know, the interceptions, we, we got the ball in good field position, both of them. Like we got a field goal and a punt off of those and, and didn't really take advantage of the time that they opened the door for us. And, you know, they had a big run there in the fourth quarter to take the lead back and, and then, you know, put together a long drive where they pretty much iced it. I mean, they were the better team. They were ranked in the top 25. They won 12 games this year. Um, they won a, a conference that's a pretty solid conference and deserve to win. And, and it also, you know, doesn't help that we were down several key guys. Um, but that's life. You know, I mean, you, you just, you know, you move on. And uh, for me, uh, I don't know if you've given it thought in this fashion. If you had to put a letter grade on this season, um, I thought about it. If, if grading on a curve... I'd say probably an A minus, um, given the expectation. Grading probably neutral. I'd say probably more like a B minus, C plus, something like that. Solid, nothing spectacular, but solid. I would have said B minus as well, um, without looking at the uh, projections and the Vegas over under right. and things like that. Last year's team went seven and five. Right, we lost and went to a bowl, lost to a this ranked team. <laughs> Uh, yes, got, yes. got told that wasn't going to be enough, but yeah. that we needed to be patient for one year. Sure, we, sure. we trotted I mean, out the exact same record. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I think when you get into the specific phases of the game, uh, much more hopeful now than I was mm-hmm. at the end of last season. Um, Me too. Not Me not too. just because the coaching turnover, although that's part of it, but because I don't know if it's fair to say that Graham left the cupboard bare. But, no, I agree. But certainly I think it is fair to say that they have restocked the cupboards well in sure. one recruiting cycle, um, yeah, know, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the that's the takeaway from this season, uh, along with, I think, you know, Eno Benjamin's emergence and, you know, being kind of good enough to kind of be the bell cow next year, probably, and the, the focus of the offense to start out. But the takeaway for me is, is that the defense really made some good progress, came into the year as a huge unknown, brand new scheme, a lot of new players. You know, we had lost some key players from last year's group, especially in the front you know, seven or six in, in the case of this defense. Um, you know, we heard about all these freshmen that were going to play, and you just do it. You, you know, you had to be a little scared. And all in all, pretty good. Um, you know, wasn't a dominant group by any means, but you found some guys that should be, you know, very significant contributors the next two years at least. You know, led by Robertson, obviously, he's gotten the, the you know, the headlines and deservedly, but. You know, Darian Butler and Tyler Johnson and Ashari Crosswell and Jermaine Lole and Cam Phillips. And, you know, these are guys who were all true or redshirt freshmen this year. But by the end of the year, we're starters, basically. And so you hope that that, you know, only gets better. We don't lose much on defense. No, I mean, I mean Jalen Harvey. Rennell Wren and Jalen Harvey is, is really it. Um, so you should have a lot of continuity for next year's group, too. Yeah, you might have a guy or two transfer. I mean, we know that comes with the territory. Um, but you should have a lot of guys back, and you've recruited some good players for this year's class, it seems like. And I mean, to me, that is really the, the headline item from this year is that the defense goes comes out of 2018 a whole lot 
more confident uh, as a fan. I'm a whole lot more confident than I was coming out of 2017 going forward. Um, I agree. So that's, you know, when we're replacing a quarterback, that's going to be significant next year, I believe. Just statistically, Robertson led the team in tackles with 77. Butler was third with 60. Yeah. Other guys who will be back, Chase Lucas, I believe Kobe yeah. Williams is back uh, yep. for one yep. more year. You know, Crosswell led the team, I believe, with three picks. Yeah. Um, Tyler Johnson emerged. Yeah, kind of came out of nowhere. A you guy know. you didn't really know much about before the season at all. And, and you know, it was a really good player. Um, defensive line, you know, there, you know, Shannon Foreman had some moments. George Lee, uh, you know, Jalen Bates. Jermaine um, Lole. Right, right. I mean, this is this is a defense that seems like it's not really built for the defensive line to put up a lot of numbers. No, you know, they're not. They're not getting a lot of sacks. And a lot, you their know. job is to um, occupy one and a half yes. offensive linemen. Yes, yeah, and and so you know, there's not anybody from that group that this year. You know, Ren had a couple of really good games at the start, and he's gone, obviously. But nobody really jumped out. But I, I don't think that's what this defense is designed to do. Um, it's designed to, you know, let your linebackers, and it, and it happened. Like you said, Robertson, Butler, two of the top three guys in tackles, Tyler Johnson emerged over the course of the year. You know, that's where I think the strength of the defense is. And then your secondary, you know, you, your safeties are your run support, and, you know, your corners have to be able to defend. And that was up and down this year. It wasn't great. Um, I don't think Chase Lucas had the second year that, we hoped a um, little well, bit of regression, but let's be clear. Still okay. You and I texted each other and yes. we're in agreement during the bowl game that Kobe Williams had a better year from a fan perspective than Chase. It Lucas seemed did. like it. It seemed like it. Now expectations play a role in that. You know, right. Chase Lucas was a freshman all American last year. People talking about him being a first round pick in two years. And like, you know, and the year was not, not great. Wasn't well, bad. Well, and he's, he's not great. Byron Murphy. And I think no, that was not. part of what people were expecting. I think so. Was, I think so. And, well, and you know, he's yeah, part of that ahead. group. He got to go against Harry right. now for two years, so he must be elevating his he game to that level. Good. And he's and he's not there. He's not. He he's might not. get there, and, and but he's not there now. He's not. And I'll tell you, the thing that worries me about him, the thing that I think he needs to get better at more than more than anything, you know, as far as playing corner is the attitude and the emotion. He let it get away from him at times this year. He got called for a couple penalties. Um, the Oregon game, I believe it was, he, he had one that he probably should have been called for. Uh, you know, like he's, he's got to get his, you know, get his composure a little bit better because if you're, if teams are going to target you, you can't lose your mental uh, control. And he seemed to lose it a few times this year. The Arizona game was another one where he probably should have had a penalty. I remember didn't get mm-hmm. called, but you know things like that. That's got to get better because he's he's one of the veterans now. When you think about the guys who will be back in the secondary, you know there's two ways to build your defense: either from the line backwards or from the sure. secondary forwards. And I think we have the guys to build it from the secondary forwards because you're looking yeah. at Lucas Williams, Crosswell, Adams, Fields. Uh, the two Markham twins who we just yep. signed. Uh, Cam Phillips, who was, who was Phillips starting who by the end of the year. On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of talent in that group. Langston Frederick also. Right, who played a role this year. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of bodies there, and, and that's something that two years ago I remember discussing with you, like, man, where is where are the where are the players? You know, we it just felt like we had to start from scratch almost, and and, you know, a fair amount of those guys you just listed are guys that were recruited by Graham and his staff. And so, you know, they did a decent job of kind of starting that process. And and then, you know, I think they really put a lot of focus on that last year, you know, with the class they signed, Crosswell obviously being kind of a headliner of that group. And you mentioned the Markham Twins. I think they're both safeties, aren't they? Yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, they're obviously putting an emphasis on that and, uh, you know, I think that's the right way to be. I mean, look, you want to you want to be good all the way across the board, but Pac-12 football is mostly, um, you know, an open passing league. It's it's not old school Big Ten where you're going to have to you know defend the run and stop teams from running it 50 times a game. So what do you need? You need you know you need good secondary. You need fast linebackers who can cover. 
that's that's kind of how this defense is being built. It seems like to you know try to counteract some of those offenses. Um, the flip side, offensively now, obviously Eno is back. We we're losing yes. Casey Tucker from the line uh, at the yeah. guard spot. Although the, Bailey, yeah, the emergence of Cole Cabral helps. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we lose you know. we lose what. Two guys, right? Yeah. Bailey and, and Tucker. Yeah. Um, everybody back. else that played this year is back. You know, it, it was a revolving cast yeah. on the line Robertson. this year. So I don't know. Robertson's back. Stephen Miller, I think, is back. LaSoya, I'm pretty sure. You know, I would, so I would be surprised if we had anyone pull a Sam Jones from that group and leave uh, for the draft. I don't think so. Yeah. Tra- Transfer's so. different, but, but to leave <laughs> right, for the draft, right. I, you know, I don't think that'll yeah, happen. I, you know, I don't think we've got any early entry candidates besides the one we already know, which is Nikhil Harry. I, I'd be surprised if anybody else uh, went pro after this year. So Harry brings me to my other point uh, that I wanted to make on the offensive side of the ball, and yeah. then we'll get into, uh, you know, we've talked about Eno Benjamin, and we can get into right. the quarterback stuff when we talk about recruiting, but... Sure. Nikhil Harry's stat line, obviously he missed the bowl. 73 yeah. catches, 1,088 yards, and nine touchdowns. As a team, we had 19 receiving touchdowns. So he had yeah. almost half of those. Almost half, yeah. As a team, we had t- almost 2,900 yards. So he had more than a third of our receiving Over yards. Third. Yeah. Um, and he had a quarter of our receptions. More yeah. than that. He had, yeah. I, I take that back. Uh, he had nearly a third of our receptions as well. Okay. Um, okay. Do you want to venture a guess? There, There is Eno Benjamin and this receiver combined for an equal number to Harry's 73 carries. Eno had 33. The leading receiver besides Nikhil Harry had 40 carries and 432 yards. Who do you think that is? Um... 40 catches. Frank Darby? No. Kyle Williams. For as oh, absent as I thought he was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had a crazy year. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, Darby he, had, he didn't have... Darby had 421 yards, and he did it on only okay. 21 catches. Okay. And I was, the other the other guess I was going to make was Ayuk, who had, you know, a couple of... The one really big game against yeah. Utah. He had 413... 413 total receiving yards yeah. for Ayuk and 24 catches. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, uh, it's, a, you know, it's a decent cast coming back, but certainly there's no sugarcoating it. You know, losing a guy like Harry is going to be tough. Um, mm-hmm. But there's there's plenty of guys coming back. Nobody as good as him, certainly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, pretty much the entire cast other than that from this year, I think Ryan Jenkins was a senior, but he barely played. Yeah, you've got um, you know, here's, who, here's who's coming back. You got Kyle Williams coming back, Darby back, Ayuk yeah. is back, uh, Ryan Newsom. Who knows with his yeah? Uh, who knows? Uh, He's but, kind of been up and down. John Humphrey the same. I mean, yeah. he missed the whole year with the Achilles, but mm-hmm. he's supposed to be back. We'll see. Um, Hodges is back, and and Terrell yeah. Chapman. You would think yeah, would be back. Yeah, and then and then um, you know Porter, who who played a little bit in the bowl game, had a mm-hmm. had a step on that big play. You know, I yeah. mean it. it you know, showed you his potential. He, he was overthrown on the play, but I mean, there's again, that's, you just lifted off eight names. If, you know, four of those can emerge into your rotation and you'd expect Williams, Ayuk, um, Darby to, you know, likely be three of those guys, you know, I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they all played big roles this year and you'd assume they will again, barring injury. You know, if you get one or two others of those guys to emerge, You've got the makings of a good core. Now, again, are you going to have that number one guy like Harry? No. Um, but you don't necessarily need that if, no. it, you know, it's kind of like ASU basketball last year. You, right. You don't need to have one guy as long as you have some guy every game. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think, you know, we saw this offense emerge over the course of the year or, or evolve, I should say, into a running offense. And Benjamin had a great year. I mean, he. So as good as Harry was, I think Eno Benjamin was probably our best offensive player this year, and who would have guessed that mm-hmm. uh, going into the season or even you know three games into the season? You certainly didn't see that coming. Um, so I think you feel great about him. I do. Um, you know, carrying the load, and and you know, hopefully there's another one or two guys, whether it's AJ Carter or or you know Isaiah Floyd, um, 
to, you know, help him out a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think we thought going into the year, what was one of the things we talked about a lot going into the year was, you know, we've got a fifth year starter, you know, fifth year senior quarterback, three year starter. We got an all American wide receiver. We got to take advantage of this because it felt like, well, where are we going to be without them? Well, all said and done, I feel okay about where we're going to be without them. Certainly, you know, having a new quarterback and losing a number one receiver is not easy, but I'm not as worried about it as I was, you know, three months ago when the season started. Yeah, with, with the defense where it's at, with right. a, with a kicker who yeah. is solid, solid you yes. know, yes. especially um, especially inside of 40. He was 13 yeah. of 14 inside of 40. Yeah. Uh, he only yeah. missed one between 40 and 49. He was 0 for 2 from 50 plus this year. Yeah. But is, that's, you know, that's asking that. a lot. Right. Um, um, you know, and a, and a good running game, most of your offensive line back, most of your receiver core back. Did you uh, catch during the bowl game that, uh, and obviously with the way he was struggling with the team, it's hard to take Herb Street without a grain of salt on things like this, <laughs> but he, he suggested that they were going to try to move Hodges to tight end. I did. I did. And that's interesting. I mean, certainly he's got the height to do it. Um, he's got to put on a fair amount of weight. Yeah. Uh, you know, unless you want to have him sort of be kind of a, you know, a hybrid. Uh, I mean, if what you're, if what you really mean is he's going to line up in the slot all the time. Yeah. Okay. Which I could see. I could see. <laughs> I, you know, more I, I don't of a, think more he's going to Jimmy Graham type tight end. He's I don't think he's going to put much. his hand in the dirt. No, I'll say that. I wouldn't think so. Or be a, or you know, be a, an extra blocker for your tackles. I don't, I don't see that. But yeah, I mean, if you can make him work somehow, I mean, he's got, he's got a physical attribute that is hard to defend i mean his height is noticeable i watched pregame this year i think it was the stanford game i was down there when they were doing pregame routes and you know even guys like harry who's a big guy he towers over him and so you, you feel like you know you gotta try to find a way to use him a little because man what a what an advantage he's got over any defensive back or even linebacker that could match up against him if if nothing else inside the 10 he should be on the field as, as a weapon. Uh, you know, it, feels it like feels you're like wasting he, him if he's not. It feels like what he should do, and I and I'm not saying this in a joking manner. I mean this completely seriously. Is he should get together with Romello White and yeah. learn how to box people out because yeah. at the goal yeah. line against a five ten corner or right. a six one corner, he's six seven. I mean, you know, in the in the vein of those Stanford tight ends. Or our Sega Whiteside, who was a wide receiver. Like, you know, look at those plays. I mean, those plays aren't genius that they would run to our Sega Whiteside. It was, you know, you go, you know, get in the end zone and we'll throw it up to you and you box out. And it works because it's impossible to defend. Um, you know, and as so, long yeah, as you get I the agree. pass up, it works. Right, right, right. So I, I don't know what his future is going to be. I know he, you know, he would miss some time this year, uh, uh, you know, for a while. You there, think he's going like to he be off the roster. You think he's going to snag his red shirt? Uh, he should. He should. Yeah. You know. So um, I don't know. You know, it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I did hear Herb Street say that, and it's it's intriguing. Now you do wonder. I mean, there were times Herb Street definitely seemed to be learning the rosters on the go, um, and so does he really know anything, or was that just him thinking, "Hey, this guy's six seven. They should turn him into a tight end." I'm not sure. Nothing wrong with just saying something. <laughs> Right, exactly. You know. And, and you know, I think it happens a lot. I mean, I uh, I was watching I was watching Herb Street on game day this year once. Um, I can't remember what it was. I think it was oh, it was after the Auburn game that we went to. And you and I, you know, we watched that whole game. Auburn was not impressive. They won the game, but they weren't impressive. And then the next week, I think they were playing Georgia. And I'm watching Herb Street and Desmond Howard. You know, Auburn looked great last week. Like, uh, I don't think you actually watched the game. I think you just looked at the final score. They were not great. Yeah, Auburn won that week. Right, right. (laughs) They won the game, and they were impressive in the last, you know, five minutes when they won. The first 55 were not that impressive. And, you know, oh, boy, Auburn really looked like they were coming around. No, they didn't. And that was proven when they got blown out by Georgia that weekend. Before we go turn our attention to next season um i think that we should take a moment to revisit some of the things this year that were positive sure uh by virtue of looking at what didn't go right 
uh, in the, in the bowl game. We gave up a big play in the bowl game. We did. And, we did. And it was weird to see because <laughs> we right. hadn't done it and we were we so good that's, defensively. That's a very good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. That it, it stuck yeah. out as a wow. That they got yeah. us. They yeah. yeah they blew you're a right. big you know they blew a big hole in that. They did. Yeah, yeah. You're right. That did not happen very much, if at all. That might have been the, the longest play of the year that we allowed. Um, the uh, you know the other things uh, just comparing across. One thing I was worried about, given um, basically Graham's style and and how mm-hmm. he came in, and you know the fact that Herm appears to be a much more player friendly yeah. style. Um, we weren't penalized that much. No, and I was no, I was worried no. about that going into the year. Yeah, that was that was the story. Remember after week one. You know the UTSA game was uh, the penalties were up. Well, it didn't it didn't carry on. You know it was it was uh, kind of an aberration, really. If you look at the whole season, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, there were there were certainly highlights from this year. You know, we beat two ranked teams at home, Utah and Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Um, we beat Arizona. We beat USC. Granted, those were not great Arizona or USC teams, but that's still significant for ASU to win. You know, on the road against both of those teams, that's you know doesn't happen very often. So there were there were highlights, and there weren't a lot of lowlights. In all honesty, I mean, there were some disappointing losses, but uh, you know, our biggest loss was that bowl game with eleven points. Uh, you know, we were we were competitive in every single game. There were no uh, no you know duplicates of some of those Graham games. You know, Graham was. Kind of, you know, we usually bounce back from them, but Graham had some blowouts on his resume. Uh, You know, the UCLA game here on that Thursday night, the Arizona game, obviously in 2016, probably being the worst. Um, You know, there were none of those. We were in every single game to the end, basically, except for the bowl game. And even then, that was not that lopsided. The other thing I will say is we sort of hit the formula for success because we went four and one in the South. Right. And right. Uh, you could argue that if we played Colorado, even a week later, we would have yeah. been five and out. Yeah. I mean, um, that's the one that probably, you know, sticks in your craw the most of the losses, because if we had won that game, everything else happening the same and you, you know, who knows, but we would have won the South. You know, we finished a game back of Utah. We beat Utah. Um, we beat Arizona. We beat USC. We beat UCLA. Like you said, you know, and, so that's the one that probably feels the most like it got away from us. You know, Washington, they were better. Um, Stanford, I, we could have beaten Stanford too. I mean, you could argue that one probably equal to Colorado for games we could have won. Oregon, you know, I know we had a shot. We had a two-point conversion that could have tied the game. But, but they, they were outclassing us game. for much of the game. They were. They were. You know, so I, I don't, you know, but those are – Probably Colorado and Stanford are the ones that, that, you know, stick in your throat the most. San Diego State, too. Um, but that didn't affect the conference race. Yeah, I mean, the San Diego you know. State game was one of those moments where I've, uh, you know, I was not shy about thinking the wheels were coming off. No, I know. You know, on yeah. the, on the yeah. decision-making there. And Eno <laughs> Benjamin, I mean, our leading rusher that game was Eno Benjamin with 21 right. yards. And, right. And, you know. and, yeah, that was kind of the impetus behind, you know, then what we saw the rest of the year, starting with that Washington game, which was we're going to run the ball. Um, we're not going to get away from it like we did against Michigan State and against San Diego State. And it worked, you know, to the tune of a school record year for him. Um, and, a, you know, I think he was, what, second, third team All-American, something like that. Mm-hmm. He, he had a great year and, and will will certainly be the focus next year. Well, that means he'll also be the focus of our opponents, and and so you know we're gonna we're gonna need a good scheme around him. You got to block, and you got to have a a competent you know passing game and quarterback, or else he's not going to be able to duplicate what he did. Um, but yeah, I, I you know a pretty solid year. Like I said, it's it's uh, nothing that will go down in the pantheon of greatest seasons of all time here, um, but it's hopefully the foundation to have a few of those coming up. And that's all you could really ask for from this season, I think. It's clear that the style Herm wants to run is to run the ball to set up the pass, uh, yeah. which leads us to the question of who will be throwing the passes. Manny Wilkins yeah. is gone. Um, this offseason, I'm sure we will revisit our 
thinking on where yes. he lands in the pantheon of ASU yes. quarterbacks since we we'll started let it, attending. We'll let him breathe a bit, um, you know, and, and see where we feel in the off season of how he how he ranks. Yes. But we're returning two scholarship players as it stands now. Dylan Sterling Cole, who you know has started uh, and played a couple in a couple, couple games. games. Yeah. Uh, this year he was 0 for 2 passing in mop up duty. He did not yeah. attempt to pass in the bowl game, despite the fact that we were told to expect to see no. him. Didn't uh, even get in the game, did he? I mean, no. much less than yeah. I mean, he, I didn't think he took a single snap. Um, how many games did he even play in this year? Uh, two, three. I think it was two. Okay. He um, played. I mean, I know he got in against USC for that one series when Wilkins was hurt, which really I think was the only that was the meaningful main. snaps he got. You know, the game was still in the balance, um, and that was short lived. He played it in the back. UTSA game without attempting a pass. Okay, that was okay. the other game. That's it. Okay, he so, was he was so, zero for yeah. two throwing in the USC game, and he had two carries yeah. for twenty two yards in the UTSA game. Okay, okay. otherwise so he not, did not play. Not a whole lot there. Yeah, I mean, he is he was the backup, and he's the most experienced guy. Um, but it's a it's not much, you know, so there's, yeah. there's not a whole lot on the resume for him just yet. And behind him, uh, you know, on the scholarship side, at least, is Ryan yeah. Kelly, um, whose shoulder Gosh. injury continues <laughs> to linger. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. it sounds like they're not expecting him to be ready, you know, for spring ball or yeah, maybe even I fall mean, camp. I, um, I think you can you could close your eyes and see the, you know, story coming out sometime this offseason that Ryan Kelly is hanging it up. And maybe I'm wrong, but um, I mean, we've, we've, he's basically been a ghost this year. Um, and I know I saw, you know, Likens was, was quoted as saying, you know, it's, it's like he had, you know, the equivalent of Tommy John surgery, but on his shoulder. That's not great. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think anything we get out of him would, uh, has to be a bonus because it feels like it's probably not happening for him here or maybe anywhere. The only other quarterback on the current roster who, you know, you would figure is worth mentioning at all is yeah. Kurt Walding because he yeah. was, you know, after transferring from junior college, he was at least publicly in the running yeah. to be the number two quarterback before Sterling Cole beat him out. Yeah, I mean, they seem to like him. And so you figure he's a guy who will who will factor, I, I, you know, next year. I don't think he'll be the starter, but I think you could certainly – you know, seeing him be in the number two, maybe depending on how things shake out, because they, they seem to like what he brought to the table. But ASU did something, and, and I tried to look and couldn't figure out what to say about it. Um, <laughs> ASU did something I've never seen before. Not only did they sign three scholarship quarterbacks today, they signed three scholarship quarterbacks that ESPN had rated as a four-star QB. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I I doubt it's happened much, if at all, in the in the era of you know star rankings. I mean, you can't go back you know more than maybe fifteen, twenty years on that. Um, but uh, you don't see it much. I mean, a lot of times teams will sign two, but to, to do three is very unusual. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you the ESPN rankings because those are the ones that I've always looked at. Um, but you can look anywhere and they, they vary in in some rankings. Jaden Daniels is the number one dual threat quarterback in the nation. Um, seven, I know has him there. Yeah. For ESPN, uh, Yellen is the top of the three, uh, pocket passer with an 86 grade Daniels and long, both dual threat quarterbacks, both with 84 grades. Um, but Daniels ranked slightly ahead of Long. Um, I, I hope it's a, a misprint, but ESPN lists Jaden Daniels as being 6'2", 157 pounds. I, I can't imagine that <laughs> well, that's correct. So, I, I've heard him I've heard him at 6'3", 185 is the number that Haller had. Uh, he's very skinny, there's no doubt. He's going to have to uh, you know, get in that college weight program, and he is, along with both of the other guys, apparently enrolling in the spring and so they'll you know they'll get an off season of, of you know going through a strength and conditioning program which will help as well not only that but the you know on field reps they'll get in the spring um you know so they'll all start from basically the same point which is great you know you 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 know you bring them all in and, and made the best man win you know um it's going to be interesting it's fair to say that uh, it's december 
probably over the course of the next eight months, we'll talk about this a lot um, because it will be the dominant offseason storyline. You know, last year we had the whole Herm Edwards, what will happen to the defense. Well, those, those things have kind of settled. We, we know what we're going to get from Herm. Um, this year, you know, like we were just talking about, we got a lot of pieces back, but the quarterback's not. And we don't have a presumed successor. And so that, that will be the, the dominant story before we get to August 29th and the Kent State Golden Flashes coming into town. I would like to have the conversation that we started on our text exchange. And I, and, <laughs> and I said, I have a thought and I want to save it until okay. we actually talk. It's one of the few times where I don't just give you my take right away. Okay. Okay. Um, you asked, the main question is whose jersey should you buy of the three quarters? <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I was to pre-order a jersey, and let me say this, I have never gotten an ASU quarterback jersey. In fact, the only ASU player jersey I have is Pat Tillman. So I don't have an ASU player from uh, you know our era. I want one, but I'm waiting for that right guy. I'm waiting for someone like Jameis was at Florida State or Vince Young was at Texas. So are any of these three guys going to be that guy? Will I end up buying a jersey of one of these three? Well, that is the question I pose to you, so give me your thoughts. I think that if you are investing in a jersey right now today, the jersey to invest in is Jaden Daniels, and here's why. ASU's social media did a great job you know, it's an important thing uh, yeah. in, in our modern recruiting oh, sure. to yeah, have yeah, good social doubt. media. And the idea of the war room feed and Antonio Pierce always walking yeah. in and doing a little dance and saying something yeah. to Herm Edwards who, you know, at times seemed like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. And at other right. times seemed <laughs> genuinely invested. Right. Um, right. But when they posted the commitments – they posted, you know, a nice thing for Yellen, who was the last mm-hmm. to sign. They posted a nice right. thing for Long. Daniels was the first to sign. And when Daniels signed, they posted the best dual threat QB in the entire country yeah. is a Sun Devil. I saw and that. I don't yep. think you post that without the blessing of the staff. No, and no, I don't. Not. And I don't think the staff says do it unless he's the clubhouse leader. I mean, I would say he, he is uh, ESPN rankings are a little different than, you know, I usually look at 24 seven just because they do kind of the composite of all the different sites and, and they have him as the number four quarterback in the country. Uh, I always just kind of, you know, they don't do the, the whole dual threat pocket passer thing because I've seen situations where that doesn't even make sense. When they put somebody as a dual threat, like they're, they're not when it comes time to actually play or vice versa. Um, but, um, you know, they've got him ranked higher than the other two. Um, the pecking order, you know, among the rankings and the hype seems to be Daniels yelling long. Um, I think that's true. Here's my, here's my other take. And then I want to get into what we think. Yeah. I also think Daniels must be the clubhouse leader because long committed first. Yeah. And he was considered a dual threat. Some people were looking at him for defense. Right. Um, then Yellen committed and they had Shortly both after. those guys right. early. And it seems from Doug Haller's reporting fairly well locked down. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they went to both of them, which is a credit to the coaching staff for being up front, but went to both it of them is. and said, hey, we have a shot at this kid, too, and we're going for it. I agree. Which I makes mean, me yeah, think they can, must like him the best. You can definitely read into that that if they if they thought they had the answer, they wouldn't have gone out to try to get someone else. Um, so and and he was not really on the radar for us, you know, a few months ago. Um, and and we got in late and made the case and you know convinced him, I guess, obviously. And so yeah, I mean, I think you can certainly connect A to B and think that he's the guy who's probably the favorite. Um, you also look at the style of play. I mean, if he is truly a dual threat guy and his stats would seem to indicate he is, um, again, we talked about how this offense became a, you know, run first type of offense. Well, 
you know, not that you can't do that with a pocket pass or quarterback. You can, but your offense is going to be more dangerous. If you're going to try to run the ball a lot, well, having a quarterback who can run it too opens things up for your running backs. You know, I mean, it just it gives a whole new dimension to a defense to have to face and stop. You know, and so I think you can you can see that he's the most likely, but. You know, maybe they go in a different direction. Maybe they want a quarterback who's going to be able to make the throws, read defenses, let the running backs run the ball. Who, you know, I don't know what they're going to value exactly in this offense. And, uh, you know, and that's going to be the interesting thing because they are different types of players, it seems like. To your point about running the ball, thievery is the most sincere form of flattery in college football. And yeah. you look at, you know, the most successful offense this year, Oklahoma, mobile right. quarterback. You look at. Right. You know, the Deshaun Watson teams, yeah, uh, the, yeah. you know, the Louisville teams, exactly. mo- mobile quarterbacks, and it, uh, more, more college than the pro, but it changes the game because it's just it another does. guy you have to account for. It does. Um, well, and, and, you know, we do see it in college all the time. You're right. It does. We don't see it as much in the pros because defenses are faster and better in college. If you got a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, who's just incredibly fast and elusive, he's going to be better than 90% of the defenders he faces. And, you you know, you saw him do it for two years as the starter there. I mean, similar body types. Lamar Jackson was a, was a you know, shorter, thinner kid. You know, he was not built like Cam Newton or anything like that. Now, am I saying that just because this kid is rail thin like Lamar Jackson, he's going to be Lamar Jackson? No. But I would be lying if I didn't look at him and say, well, if it works for him, why can't it work for this kid too? guys like that Kyler Murray they break the mold of what you think a quarterback needs to be the same way that Drew Brees made it okay to be you know under 6'2 yeah Yeah. well and I think we're seeing it you know we're seeing it start to move to the pros uh, with the way that quarterbacks are protected more now with the way that spread offensive schemes have come into the pros and you know you, you saw Baker Mayfield go number one overall and he's having some success and and, you know, you, uh, the, the whole notion that a pro quarterback has to be 6'3 and 230, it's, it's not there anymore. Um, you know, the offenses have changed. And, you know, Breeze, you're right, was kind of at the, at the beginning of it. But, you know, you see what Russell Wilson's done over his career and now what a guy like Mayfield's doing and the buzz about Kyler Murray in the NFL. You know, a guy like Kyler Murray never would have gotten a sniff 10 years ago, 5'10". But now, and like you know, you look at it, and think, well, can someone design an offense that would work for him? Probably so, because some guys have come with you know more innovative thinking than what we saw before in the NFL. So the question then becomes to get back to the analysis part of these three guys. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that they're going to move long or at least approach him about it, although. You know, maybe the reason he picked us is everyone else was trying to move him to defense and he didn't want to <laughs> yeah. go. Yeah, um, you wonder. You do wonder. I mean, yeah, I would agree, though. If, if there's one that, you know, you feel like would make a position change, he's the most likely, it seems like. The other point that I wanted to make, because I, as an ASU fan, I just think it's an important thing to keep in mind. Everyone thought it was a question of, do you want the big arm pocket passer in Burko. Do you want the running bulldozer in Eubank? Yep. And no one gave any thought to the idea. Taylor Kelly would win the job. Who is not as good at either of those as the two guys I named. No, you're right. You're right. You know, consistently solid at both. Pretty good. And And I was going to say it, you know, when we first started talking about this and, 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 uh, you know, we were talking about the, the pecking order, and I almost even said, you know, we've been here before. Uh, three quarterbacks and two were more highly regarded. And one was a great runner and one was a great passer. And it was the guy who, you know, wasn't considered great at either one, who was more the, you know, the leftover prospect who ended up being a three-year starter for us. That was pretty good. Um, and so, yeah, you never know. I mean, it, right now I think everybody's kind of zeroed in on, Jaden Daniels because he's so highly regarded and he was the last to commit. And Joey Yellen is a little bit more highly regarded. Doug Haller wrote a, a good article about and him. Georgia, I mean, part of it ago. is part of it Georgia is Georgia was in, was in on him. USC right. was in on Daniels, right? And right. And that I makes haven't a heard who was in on Ethan Long. Right. But, you know that you was know, like it, that. 
it affects our perceptions, whether it should or shouldn't, it does, you know, when, yeah. I, when according somebody's being to, recruited by Georgia, you think, Ooh, that guy must be pretty good. Well, I maybe, mean, but according to ESPN, Ethan Long was being recruited by us, Utah, NAU, Dartmouth, yeah. Columbia, and Brown. <laughs> so it's a, so it's not as impressive on the list, but again, we, we've been down this road before Taylor Kelly was an afterthought. He was a guy that we signed after signing day. Um, when we signed him, the general reaction, my thought, and everybody else's, you know, most ASU fans was, oh, that's nice. That guy will be a nice piece of depth. You know, he'll, he'll do, you know, probably be a guy who holds a clipboard for us and signals in the plays. Yeah, and gets hit hard awesome. in practice on the scout right. team. You know, that's great. You need guys like that. But he ended up surpassing all those expectations. And so who knows? I mean, it'll be a, a fascinating next, you know, six to eight months and maybe the next four years. I mean, cause I, I don't think anybody expects, I mean, I think if you expect all three of these guys to finish out their college eligibility here, you're insane. Um, you know, quarterbacks are transferring at, you know, a rate that we've never seen before. Um, and so I, I think, you know, you could pretty much put it at, uh, uh, it's December of 2018. If all three of them are still here by, by March of 2020, I'll be surprised. Um, it's just not likely, you know, especially if they're all still playing quarterback. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, but that's just the nature of it. And Ron Likens even said that today. You know, transfers have become easier. And I'm okay with that. But you have to embrace it. And I think that the idea here is, hey, we're going to we're gonna throw everything we got at the position and we're going to find the best guy. And then, you know, what happens with the other guys? Hey, we'll support them if they want to go somewhere else. No one's going to say that now. But I think that's the attitude. I agree. The The only other thing I was going to say about this, which I'm surprised didn't happen from any of them, all of them, as far as I can tell, signed their letters of intent. But what I texted yeah, you, uh, which I believe, if I was advising them, I would have said, sign the financial aid package. Do, yeah. do the thing that would let you leave. If Because at, at the end of February, if you want to leave, you, you might not be able to enroll else. in another school, but you can – you know, declare right. your intent to transfer and get that school's playbook and be ready for right. fall practice. Right. You know? Yeah, it's it's a surprise. It is, um, you know, and and I, I mean, a couple weeks ago or whenever it was um, that, you know, we were talking about Daniels before he committed. And I think we both kind of said, well, if we get him, you can pretty much probably count on, you know, one of the other guys not signing here. Well, didn't happen that way. You know, they all three did. I'm surprised that I think you are too, as we discussed throughout the day, you know, back and forth. Didn't, didn't think it would happen when I read the story about Yellen yesterday morning and, you know, the little blurb in there about how Georgia had been in on him and, you know, would Justin Fields possibly leave and make a difference? And he said, I don't think it would. I read that and thought, oh, okay. Well, not sure. Well, it, I guess it ultimately didn't so far. And, It'll be, a, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. And, and you know, in that same story, or maybe a different one, I know Dylan Sterling Cole, you know, said at the bowl game, as of now, I'm a Sun Devil, which, of course, is like, okay, he's, he's certainly opening the door to look elsewhere and wouldn't be surprising if he does. I mean, last year at this time, we had, what, uh, five scholarship quarterbacks on the roster? Yeah. And by the time we opened the season, we were down to three. Um, and so... You know, could that happen again? Probably, you know, or maybe not probably, but certainly possibly. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this, you know, if we're in that situation, Kurt Walding becomes incredibly important. He does. Um, and and because, I, that's why I said that, you know, because he could be a valuable piece of depth. He might not see the field, but just a, a guy in the in the meeting rooms, a guy who knows the offense, a we'll, guy who we'll gives you, you know, a out. veteran hand a little bit. Game this out. DSC transfers in January yeah. or yeah. competes in fall camp. Doesn't, doesn't like where it's going and, and decides to transfer and there. Yeah. And Kelly is either Can't hurt play. and not going to play or retires. Right. Entirely right. reasonable then to think that one of these three freshmen also leaves. Yeah. Um, and it could be any, if Daniels gets the sense that Yellen's going to win the job, maybe he, sure. leaves, you know, and sure. vice versa with Yellen and, you know, if that happens, then all of a sudden, Kurt Walding might be second on your depth chart for the he game might day. Be. You know, he might be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right now you got three returners, two scholarship guys, but throw him in. I mean, he he was 
he took more reps this year than Kelly. And you got three new guys, and you got six guys. Well, the likelihood you're going to go into week one next year with all six is pretty low. I think and, the likelihood of you going into fall camp with all six is low. I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, you know, and and so you you've got to, but see, that's the idea behind this. I think is, you know, you know, you're going to have some attrition, so we're going to pad the position enough to be able to survive that attrition, and I hope it works. I mean, it's an interesting. Pack. Um, you're not going to be able to do it all the time, it's, you know, because it just—it's an unusual situation. But I like the idea behind it. And, you know, I'm—I'm I'm very curious to watch it develop over the course of the next few months. I'll tell you what I think we need, because as you go through uh, Jordan Clark, son of Ryan Clark, the NFLer. Right. Uh, he committed. He's in the secondary. The Markham twins, who even though one ESPN list is a wide receiver, both are expected to play defense. Right. Uh, today's big addition to the class, Stephen Wright, defense. Yeah. Anthony defensive Cooper, line. defense. Nolan Matthews, tight end. And then yeah. offensive line, defensive end. Some lower-ranked receivers, according to ESPN, yeah. including uh, two of the Arizona recruits we signed, Andre Johnson right. from Tolleson and Ricky Pearsall from Corona del Sol. There's no running back. And yeah. I know Eno's good and Traylon Smith, but, you know. Well, Traylon Smith's gone. I mean, that's the thing. Like, Traylon Smith, gone. Yeah, I, was, they, I'm, gone. I was blanking on the uh, Brock Sturgis Isaiah is Floyd. the other one. Brock Sturgis Brock is the one who yeah, left right. also. Yeah. So yeah. all of a sudden – you know, you you have Benjamin and Floyd, right? And then, I, who? I guess AJ Carter. Who, yeah. You know, I mean, I think they'll look for something from him. And yeah, you're right. I mean, because because you know, if Benjamin has anywhere close to the type of year he had this year, next year, he's going pro, and he should. I mean, you know, we, we there's no position that has a shorter shelf life in football than running back. And you know, if he has that kind of year, even if he's a day three pick. You take your chances. I mean, uh, you know, look at look at uh, Philip Lindsay was undrafted, and he made the Broncos, and now he's going to the Pro Bowl. So you know, you don't have to be a first round pick to leave early as a running back. Um, and yeah, I mean, so you're you're probably looking at you know Benjamin one more year, barring something really unexpected. I would think he does not come back his senior year. So you got to have some guys in the pipeline for 2020 and on. So with that. You know, I, I'm with you on Carter. I, I guess I discounted we'll it see. because what we heard I mean, we'll was we weird. haven't seen much from him. You know, I like uh, you know, so you're not you're not wrong to discount him at this point. I mean, he, he played the whole game, but we don't know a whole lot more about him than that. And so you would think that that's somewhere where we have room. And and the only thing, literally only thing that gives me pause about the three quarterbacks in the class is that's one less scholarship to give right. to somebody else. Right, right. You know, it's, and, it's unusual. I mean, there's no, there's no uh, changing that. There's the, you know, it's, it's unusual. And it's not something that we'll see, again, you know, very often anywhere else. It's just it doesn't happen that often. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Because you're right, it is one less. And yet we all think that by, you know, both of us think, and I think almost everybody who, who follows football would think by the fall, you're going to have all those guys. So those scholarships end up coming back open. And even if you don't use it this year, you can use it next year for that class. So, uh, you know, I think this is, this is almost like an NFL roster, you know, let's, let's bring five quarterbacks to camp and we'll weed them out. And by the time we get to the season, we'll probably be down to three and we'll have our three. You know, we'll have our pecking order, and, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see who it is. You know, it's funny, but you say it's almost like an NFL camp, and that kind of feels like exactly how Herm said it would yeah. be. You know? Yeah, it, it's It's strange because even you and I, who are diehard fans... Yeah sort of looked askew at the new leadership model and we're going to yeah. take an NFL model to college and maybe that's the right move. Maybe that's just the way to go is, you know, we'll get yeah. bodies in and. Yeah. Know. I mean, I, I think if you, 
again, they would never say that today, but I bet you if you could get Herm Edwards and Rob Likens off the record, they would tell you they know you're not going to keep all three of these guys for a long time. That if you get through one year with all three, it'd be a surprise. But I think the idea is, let's see. Let's bring them all in, and we'll have our choice of who the best guy is and who the second best guy is. And then if it doesn't work out for one of them, you know, you, you help them out get to their next stop. If, if Ethan Long wants to play quarterback and it's like, well, you know, it's just not, not happening here. Well, maybe, you know, you help him out and he goes to NAU or an FCS place or something. I mean, who knows? I don't know. But, you know, you kind of go with that mentality of like, well, it's not going to happen for you here, but we'll help you find your next stop. Um, you know, I don't think that's a terrible thing. Now, could this blow up in our face? You could. You know, you, you, uh, you pick the wrong guy or, you know, you, you go with one guy and that guy ends up getting hurt or whatever it may be. And the other two are gone. You know, we'll see. Time will tell on whether or not this was a good thing or not. Um, it could be great if we find the right guy and that guy becomes a star for the next three to four years. Or it could be, boy, we should have just zeroed in on, you know, one guy. We let the wrong guy go, whatever it may be. But who knows? Uh, you you made a point about letting guys go and help them find their next spot. Yeah. ASU actually might be doing themselves a great service in recruiting uh, with the way they handled the Nikhil Harry situation and encouraging yes. him to leave. And, and if they would be as transparent and open about this as possible, I, I don't know if you saw earlier today, Jay Billis tweeted about a – uh, track athlete, he retweeted her post from Georgia, who's being uh-huh. blocked and not released from her uh, scholarship to go run really? somewhere else. And Jay Billis tweeted, I continue to be at a loss to understand why any school would or could fail to support an athlete's transfer and immediate eligibility. <laughs> there is no such yeah. thing as student athlete welfare. That seems to be a myth. Rather, it seems all about school welfare first. Oh yeah, I agree with him. I, I I've always been a Billis fan, and I think he he to me he gets it. I know some people don't like him because of the way he is about stuff like that, but to me he understands the hypocrisies of college sports. Even though he loves college basketball and, and college sports, I think he gets the the double standard that exists in them. And uh, yeah, I mean, I you know we talked a little bit. I mentioned Justin Fields. The story about him and, you know, and he might try to get a waiver somehow to be able to play. And, you know, my initial reaction when I heard that is like, well, that seems like a reach, you know, mm-hmm. so one, one baseball waiver? player. Uh, oh, what now? Uh, he wants a hardship waiver. Yeah. Based on apparently, according to media speculation, the, you know, the baseball player who referred to him, uh, you know, as, as a racial slur. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, that's a reach. And then, you know, I thought about it more, and I thought, more power to the kid. If he can find a way to game the system and and make that seem like that's the reason he should be able to play next year, I'd pat him on the back. Like, I mean, I don't love it, but at the same time, it shifts the power to the athlete in a system that doesn't like that. And I hope it works. I, I hope it does. Um, I think it's a little bit lame, but at the same time, like, hey, go for it. Because how different would the conversation be for him if he knew he was going to be able to play next year? I mean, yeah, he could go to Oklahoma, he could go to Ohio State, he could go to Florida State, he could go to Florida, you know, any number of places. Oregon, that might be replacing their quarterback, but the whole dynamic's different because, well, I might be eligible next year, but I might not. I feel like this whole sitting out a year thing needs to go. I don't think it will because coaches are terrified of it. I think it should go. Like you know, if they want to, if they want to go, let them go, and you know, let it happen. It's okay. I think we need to get to the point where it's a better policed version of free agency, like real yeah. anti-tampering. But yeah, but just you know, if the spot's not good for you, and there's another team that has a scholarship available for you, or right. you're willing to go walk on. Which exactly. I, I I know you saw the athletic story about Nebraska and their Stop big off. push for walk-ons yep. and yep. just trying to I build did. a 150 yes. person team yes. on yes. on all walk-ons. Yes, um, I did. It was a good story. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, if you're, if you want to do that. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, you and I, you know, I always think about this cause we look at college athletes, we treat them like they're somehow different than every other college, you know, student. And, and in a way they are, but in other ways they're not. You and I were both on scholarship at ASU. If we had decided for whatever reason, after one year, two years, three years, that we wanted to go somewhere else, we could have gone. And no one would have said, well, you know what, you can go to that school, but you can't pursue your degree. You can't pursue your profession for a year. You have to just, you know, take other classes. That's kind of what we do here. Now, I realize it's a little bit apples and oranges comparison, but a little bit, that's what it is. Well, you can go somewhere else, but you can't, you know, you can't actually pursue your future for a you, you can be on the team, but you can't do anything with the team. You know, Jacob Eason left Georgia, and he could practice, and he could travel, but he couldn't actually play football for an entire year. If he could have played, maybe he doesn't go to Washington. Maybe he goes somewhere else. He's a starter this year. Maybe he has a great year, and he's going to the draft. Who knows? So I just I think that dynamic needs to go away. Does it make me nervous as a fan? A little bit. But as a person who just tries to think of it objectively, let's just get rid of it. Let's just let let you go and – if you got a better opportunity, take it. That's- I mean, it's it's some it's an antiquated notion. I I guess the idea, the fear would be that you have a team that basically becomes like a one and done of right. transfers. Right. You know. Right. Oh, who, you know, Kyler Murray won the Heisman. Oh boy, you know, that that was great, but uh you know, Oklahoma that's not really near the A's training facility. So I'm going to transfer to be near, you know, Modesto because right, that's the single right. A affiliate for the A's. Um, right. And, and the, you know, I, I suppose the argument, and we've talked about this, we're going down, you know, opening Pandora's box here, but what if you, you know, said, okay, make it like pro sports and have them sign contracts, which of course would involve getting paid. Um, but, you know, and again, I, I, this is a pipe dream that this would ever happen in, in our lifetime. But, you know, make them sign a contract. So if you sign a four-year contract, you're there for four years. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, if you sign a one-year and that gives you the option to go somewhere else or two years, you know, I, I don't know how it is. I don't know how you do it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I just – I don't like the notion of, you know, again, if, if – um, not that he would. But if Kirby Smart decided, hey, there's a better opportunity out there for me. He goes, he's gone. And he can be at that school next year. Jimbo Fisher, he did it. Jimbo Fisher basically quit on Florida State midway through last year, was planning his next stop, made tons of money, was coaching at Texas A&M this year, and that's that. But the athlete can't do that. A better opportunity out there, well, you can take it, but you got to wait. Did we make Jimbo Fisher sit out a year? Okay, you can go to A&M, but you can't coach and you don't get paid for this year. You just have to sit and wait. Then you could do it in 2019. Yeah, I'm. I'm not gonna. Thought. I'm not gonna take the bait. I'm gonna. I'm gonna let it go because we've already been going for nearly an hour <laughs> and we haven't even talked about no, the, the whole reason for Saturday to exist, and That's that right. is right. the the number one team in the nation, the Kansas Jayhawks, yes, are sir. traveling to the bank. Wells Fargo Arena, which I know you don't necessarily like it being called the bank, but whatever. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Uh, It's okay. You know, traveling to the bank to take on the Sun Devils. Only the second time in the history of the program that the number one team in the nation has come to ASU. Uh, The only other time was Arizona. In what, 03, I think? Yes. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So not since we've been here. First, First time since we started school. And so, Matt, simple question. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. I'm beyond ready. Yeah, this is, uh, uh, you know, I'm not a big Kansas basketball fan. You know, never really liked them all that much. But I watched the end of their game on Saturday, you know, with my, you know, hands over my eyes, basically just like, you know, hoping, 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 hoping they would win because I wanted them to be number one. Um, And they hung on and won. You know, they won big last night. It wouldn't have affected their ranking, but obviously I wanted them to still be unbeaten. This is exactly, you know, months ago when we talked about this and the preseason rankings were kind of starting, you know, at the end of last year when, you know, you got those look-aheads like, oh, Kansas is maybe number one. And I thought, boy, it'd be great if they came in here number one in the country. And it happened. 
and we're ranked, even though we lost our last game. Um, so, yeah, can't can't order up too much better than this. A top 25 matchup against the number one team in the nation on your home floor, uh, not much more exciting than this. You mentioned ASU did drop a game, splitting the SEC road trip with a win over Georgia and then uh, – a not not so great loss to Vandy. They jumped no. out early with a nine nothing lead, and yeah, they did. They did. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Couldn't do much. Couldn't do much right the rest of the game. No, uh, no. they Made they brought it run. back within three. They did. Um, I thought it was going to be just like two nights before. Mm-hmm. You know, we were we were getting beat pretty soundly in that second half. You know, about double digits and. We made that run and we took the lead and won it. And, you know, we hit a back, couple back-to-back threes, got within three points with under four minutes to go, and then they just hit us with a blitz there after that. Um, you know, not bad. I mean, I, I would have loved to win both, but I'll take the road split, you know, two games in three days. It's it's uh, You got a big game coming up. I, I suppose you could, you know, Howler tweeted it out before the game, and, and I mean, it wasn't hindsight because he said it before. It was a difficult spot you're on the road you had a big emotional win you got another big emotional game coming up next it's a spot where you can see a team kind of flat and we were a little bit flat the game against kansas tips off at seven o'clock it's going to be on espn2 which means people can watch it unlike the final non-conference game against princeton on pac-12 network that you and i both can't see Correct. Um, correct yes but going into the year we talked about how in the non-conference we weren't going to be perfect. We'd probably yeah. drop a game. And I think as we described it, it was, you know, we'll probably lose to Nevada. If we can split the SEC road trip, we'll probably lose to Kansas. And we'll have three losses going into the regular season. Yeah. Um, I think we have a chance to beat Kansas. Uh, you know, we haven't we too. haven't lost I at home. Too. No, we have not. And they have not. I mean, yes, they're number one in the country, and I'm glad of that. But they've been a little shaky. They had to go to overtime to beat Stanford uh, at home. They they struggled against Villanova. Now, granted, Villanova's the defending champs, but they're they're not the defending champs. I mean, and most of that roster's gone, and they've lost you know games to not very good teams this year. And their top um, recruit wants to leave. <laughs> right, right, and, and you know Kansas has, I believe, Azabuki is still out. So he's one of their best players. He's not, you know, he hasn't been playing. I don't think he's going to play this Saturday. Um, so they, you know, and, and the guy who's his backup is the one who's, you know, indefinitely out of action because of all the, you know, booster scandal, FBI, all that stuff. Um, and so they, you know, they've got some vulnerability. And they got some really good players. I mean, the Lawson kids are really good. But Gerald Vick is really good. Uh, you know, it's not like they're without talent by any means, but... They've shown some vulnerability. They haven't been beating teams by 50 points. Um, and, you know, we should have a raucous atmosphere, I hope. But we should be up for the game. There should be no lack of emotion from our side. And, yeah, I, I think we do have a chance to beat them. If they can knock off Kansas in back-to-back years, uh, that would be a heck of a feather in the cap of Bobby Hurley. It would, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a way to announce yourself just as last year's was. I mean, it was that win that really started getting us national buzz. You know, we had, we'd beat Xavier and people were kind of starting to pay attention, but it was that win in Lawrence that, you know, all of a sudden people were talking about, is this the number one team in the nation? And we broke into the top five after that. We won't be in the top five if we win this game. Um, but no, it's, but we it's might stay in the top 20. <laughs> we'd probably move up, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think if you can beat the number one team in the country, you should. Um, and and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, it's a great opportunity to, you know, in a, in a weak Pac-12 that has lacked for signature wins in this non-conference season, we got a chance to deliver the biggest one. And it's it's a... It's a huge opportunity. I mean, that win last year not only got us attention, but it got us in the tournament. Three months later, it helped us get in the tournament because of a weak conference record. This is the type of game that, you know, you can ride all year long if you have to. Yeah. Um, a mini digression here, just because I still can't get over how terribly run the conference is in the conference <laughs> network. After yeah. this game, the Princeton game, Utah, yeah. Colorado – at Cal, at Stanford, and the home Oregon game have already all been announced for the Pac-12 network. Oh, God. As yeah. have, in February, the Washington State game. 
Yeah. And the Cal game and the or the road Oregon game. So really? already half the conference games half the conference you're locked games, in, yeah. you're not going to get to see. Yeah. And, and at yeah. least when they're at home, you have a chance to go see. I I'm just right. I'm just out of luck. No, I know. I know. I So I, uh, I need I mean, this win. Uh, you know, because I'm just not going to get to see this team. Like, it, this team's basically going to disappear on me until the Arizona yeah. game. Yeah, well, I mean, I haven't seen too much of them, honestly. This will be the first game that I attend this year. I haven't gone to any of the home games yet. I, I did watch a, a fair amount of, of the second half of the Georgia game after the football game ended. Um, watched a decent amount of the, the Utah State game when they played that game in Vegas, but... I haven't sat and watched this team play 40 minutes yet this year. So I'm, I'm excited to, you know, be there from start to finish and, and, um, you know, actually see this team go rather than watch them on replays, fast forward highlights, those type of things. Uh, it's going to be fun, man. I, I cannot wait to be there. Um, it'll be a, a really cool atmosphere, I think. And, you know, something that, something that both of us have waited years for since we were in college, we talked about getting games like this, as though they were pipe dreams and they kind of felt like they were, but it's about to be reality for ASU to succeed. They need Dort to return to form. Uh, sure. He struggled on the road trip. He's struggled really since the Nevada game. Yeah. Um, you know, they need a big effort from Cheatham and they need either Cherry or Lawrence, I think to have a big game. They need Remy Martin to just be healthy and I'm not sure, sure. they're going to get that. Sure. Um, well, he played very well against Georgia. I mean, that was his his best game so far. Uh, he looked more like himself, and and uh, obviously, you know, probably the best game he's had in his career here so far was that Kansas game last year. So hopefully, they bring out the best in it. Uh, we'll see, you know, because uh, that was him really announcing how good he could be last year. Hopefully, we'll see the same thing. Yeah, uh, we will be there. We're also going to be all over campus. We're going to be at Chompies. We're going to be at the Chuck Box. We're going to be at the bookstore. We're going to be sitting outside the old (laughs) journalism building. That's right. That's right. We may even walk along the fields. We're going to try to find Bill Walton. We got a lot of stuff. We got a lot of stuff going on. Yes, we do. Um, We will also be around to talk about the big bowl games, uh, which are coming, and to recap the ASU-Kansas game. Yep, yep. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.